0: Welcome back to the MedTech Talk podcast. This is Tom Salemi, your host. Thanks for joining us. We've spent the last few podcasts talking about uh, some of the challenges facing MedTechs, uh, including raising capital, uh, getting reimbursement, getting through the FDA. Today we're going to have a little fun and uh, talk about one of the more exciting spaces within MedTech, and that's bioelectronic medicine. I spoke with uh, Tony Arnold. He is the CEO of Setpoint Medical, which is uh, one of the, the leaders, leaders in this space, uh, given that it has a great deal of backing from, uh, from several strategics, including uh, uh, GSK's Action Potential Venture Capital Fund, which is, uh, I think, one of the uh, primary investors in this area. And Setpoint was, uh, was created to uh, basically manipulate or, or stimulate or modulate the vagal nerve system to, uh, to afflict or to, to ease the affliction uh, of many parts of the body, including inflammation. So it's uh, it's got a unique approach to helping people and uh it's something that uh, I really wanted to tap into. I actually spoke with Tony a few months ago. Uh this was in the fall. I've held on to this podcast cuz I really wanted to focus on some of the other areas that we're uh we're discussing for the conference, but uh, this seemed like a good time to bring Tony uh to the fore because uh again, this is a real special area within MedTech one that I find particularly fascinating and one that we'll be following going forward. So before we get into this conversation with, with Tony, and we talked about the company and the, and the financing, and just sort of the struggles of, of or the the, the challenges of, uh, of running a medtech today, I did want to remind you that uh, the medtech conference is happening on June 1st. Go to medtechconference.com. Please do sign up. We've got some uh, great things in, in store uh, that we'll be uh, unveiling soon. But uh, it's a, it's been a great event. Each one I've been part of has been better than the last. And I think this one will be uh, particularly good. So we hope to see you there in Minneapolis. Now let's get into this conversation with Tony Arnold, CEO of Setpoint. Well, Tony Arnold, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tom. Good to be here. It's great to have you. And uh, Setpoint is uh, is one of those companies I love talking about. It's uh, it's got a, a really unique approach. I mean, in neuro neuro. Modulation and neurostimulation, obviously, has been done in many different areas, but I think you guys have a unique application for it, and we'll get into the the, uh, the the details of your technology in a minute. But I just wanted to find out a bit about about yourself. How did you find your way into the uh, into the medtech world, and specifically uh, veer over to uh, to lead an exciting company like SetPoint?
1: Yeah, great question. So I was I was an engineer by training, a mechanical engineer, and some years ago after college, I was in the consumer products arena and knew that I wanted to be in med tech. I lived in Memphis, Tennessee ah, okay. and um, really had a desire to go into med tech. And there's a couple of strong companies there in those days, uh, Smith Nephew Richards, the ENT orthopedics company, and sophomore Danek, that later became Medtronic Spine. And um, I, I started lobbying to get into those companies as an engineer um, and ended up at Richards Medical, Smith Nephew Richards, doing endoscopic spine and ENT products and that led a path over to uh, Sophomore Danic about the time we were acquired by Medtronic and a transition from me from um, uh, many years of engineering over into marketing, kind of technical marketing with a product called the Stealth Station, a surgical navigation system and from there, it led to um, a, after Medtronic, a consulting job to help companies move high tech devices into the market. Work with some big names like Stryker and other orthopedic companies, and um, eventually the. Uh,
0: that, Let me just stop you for a second ahead, and, just, and just ask why why medtech? I mean, was it just that it was the big uh, industry in the in the neighborhood, or or do you see something deeper? I think we we we. Get to talk about med tech as this industry, um, and often it comes with the the some of the struggles or challenges facing med tech companies. But but very often, I think people forget, or at least it's not stated enough, wh- why what drew them to med tech. What what was the what was the what were the opportunities you saw both personally, and professionally, by becoming part of the med tech industry?
1: Well, it was personally it was a little bit of ideology. It just seemed like an industry that had the potential to do. A lot of good, my mm-hmm. friends around Memphis that worked in med tech, you know when they talked about being in the operating room, seeing what went on in the operating room, watching patients get remarkably better after their technology was applied that was that was pretty exciting to yeah. to think gosh I'm having an opportunity to be a part of something like that, and there's companies right here in town that do it, and it certainly didn't hurt that having been in consumer products with an extremely fast turnover of products and a really cutthroat kind of nature in dealing with people that purchase products and our customers back then were the Walmarts and Home Depots that, you know, the the type of jobs, the quality of jobs and the, uh, and the stability of the industry just seemed to me to be a lot more attractive than the consumer product industry. So And together that ability to help people and be in operating rooms and then Uh, being such a great career path just was very attractive and seemed like one of the best things that a a young engineer could do in in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, I think I was right on that. It really was
0: a great path. That's terrific. So you you went into consulting and uh, how did you uh, find your way to startups?
1: So I was uh, consulting and I got brought over to uh, one of the Alfred Mann companies out here in California moved from Tennessee out to California, worked for Advanced Bionics. Mm-hmm. We were doing spinal cord stimulators and cochlear implants. And a few years into that, we sold that business to Boston Scientific. And um, as you remember, that was kind of a rocky sale. The sale went well, but at the after sale, there were some rocky periods and part of that business ended up back over with Alfred Mann, the cochlear implant part of the business. Did shortly after that tr- transition happened, I um, I decided you know it's been a great run, I've loved it, uh, but I'd, I like the people over on the Boston side a lot. There were some programs going on there I wanted to be involved with, so I took a risk, broke back out, did a consulting thing on my own, and. I really quickly landed some consulting work both with Advanced Bionics and with Boston Scientific, uh, along with a couple of other companies. And within about a year, this small company called Setpoint Medical, that was uh, number one employee, was one of my fav- uh, former coworkers from Advanced Bionics, kind of Mike Faltes. He said, Hey, I could really use help over here. I'm employee number one at this really cool company. Could you come help me spec the product out, identify docs that can help us develop it? And that that's what led me to to Setpoint, into consulting and then back out into Setpoint.
0: Interesting. And this is a great time to talk about Setpoint. What was it that, uh, what story did, did Mike tell you and uh, what has that turned into? Well,
1: Mike was there obviously at, at the infancy of the company trying to figure out, hey, I have a nerve we need to stimulate, technology has come a long way we can make these products much smaller and much more acceptable to patients and docs how do we do it that's my kind of question as an engineer marketer hybrid um, that's my kind of question I know a lot of doctors I know what they like I know how to bring them together and figure out what a product should look like and Mike knows how to develop and build about anything that needs to be built so I recognize, you know, that there's a potent combination there. Frankly, I like a lot of people that came into set point at that time looked at it and said, "This is a crazy idea." Honestly, <laughs> I, I'm not sure that I totally buy into this whole stimulating uh, the vagus nerve, working on peripheral joints and RA. We've just never thought of anything like that in in the classical neuromod sense. So that seemed a little out there to me. But knowing how to figure, you know, figuring out how to develop that product to to go do what it was Mike was trying to do and Kevin Tracy, the founder of the company, wanted to do. I knew we could do that, and I was willing to suspend disbelief about the therapy itself until I saw results. Yeah, how do you
0: how do you make that leap? That's a that's a great phrase, suspend disbelief or or leap of faith. But I mean, it's it's a product, and we'll get into it in a second that can do tremendous good. But you're right. To get from here to there, um, there's there's a, a lot of uncertainty. That's that's uh, it just has to be a commitment on your part, I guess, to say this is something I want to see happen.
1: It, it does for each member of the team that comes on in those early days for a therapy like set points. People have to be willing to to remove biases and to really consider, you know, maybe there is a lot we don't understand yet. That was Kevin Fracy, the founder's premise was, hey, there's a lot about the immune system we don't get just look at the data and so i started reading papers on this on all of the animal data started asking friends in the field about it started even talking to rheumatologists about it and like me they were skeptical but they were willing to concede it's it's not uh it's not out of the uh pale of reasonableness this it what's being described could work and the more data that we saw and the more um Small animal, large animal studies we saw worked very much like Tracy had predicted early on, and the thing that really started tipping it over from me and others was when we saw uh, independent investigators, the work that Tracy published was relatively easy to verify it you know it's not one of those things you put up, and it takes uh you've got to be um, have an enormous facility with millions of dollars of equipment what he described was something that somebody with $100,000 in a few weeks could go test out. And that happened. A number of labs around the country said, well, we're going to go figure this thing out. And they did. And they published saying, he's right on. You Mm -hmm. stimulate this nerve, we see rapid reduction in circulating monocytes and cytokines that should lead to great disease improvement. So that really helped bring me around. It helped bring others around and Fortunately, by today, as you're aware, most of the people that have looked at the papers and read it now accept that this is a, this is a viable way to treat chronic inflammatory disorders. We just need to go scale it up and do the larger studies.
0: And, and let's get into that. I, I referenced the, your your mission in the opening of the podcast, but tell us where you're at. What what product do you have? What stage is it at? At and what does it do? Great. So we've we've done two really rigorous,
1: small number, but rigorous clinical trials. One in rheumatoid arthritis that was recently published in PNAS and reviewed in Nature. Um, and we continue to track the patients from the RA trial, even four years post the trial. And that trial showed that patients that received a stimulating device on the cervical vagus nerve with the parameters that we specified, getting stimulus about a minute a day saw remarkable improvements in the rheumatoid arthritis. And we tried it both in patients that were had never been on these expensive biologic drugs and we tried it in patients that had failed at least two mechanisms of action in multiple drugs, including methotrexate and multiple biologics. And in both of those populations, we saw these really remarkable Results And again, those are all available out, you know, our website, the PNAS website for people to review. And more recently, we just released results day before yesterday on a Crohn's trial uh, with similar results where we did a, a similar thing in the cervical vagus and we saw similar results with six of eight patients uh, getting remarkably better, three patients hitting full remission, uh, endoscopically verified remission. In a trial, so really exciting results in a phase one type study. Um, What we're doing today here at Setpoint is working aggressively to bring our own unique device through to a first in human study for our platform. These studies I mentioned, Tom, were done with with a proxy platform, where investors asked us to go prove the mechanism works before we invest in the development of. uh, yeah, multi-10 million dollar Neuromod platform. And once we prove that it works, which we've done, then let's fund the development of our own unique tailored platform. And that's what we're really focused on today is bringing our platform through the system, getting it into FDA, and getting um, human trials going, much larger trials going on our device.
0: Hey, everyone. Tom me here. just want to take a quick break from this conversation to uh, remind you to sign up for the MedTech Talk newsletter. Go to medtechconference.com and you can sign up for MedTech Talk. We will send uh, some information associated with these podcasts directly to your inbox along with some great videos covering the MedTech space. Just go to medtechconference.com. Give us your email. That's all we ask. It's a great bargain. And uh, you'll not only learn about the MedTech sector, but we'll also be able to keep you informed about uh, additions to the MedTech Conference. So go to medtechconference.com to sign up for the MedTech Talk podcast newsletter. Now back to this conversation. Now, is your objective to treat what currently isn't treated, or to replace uh, drug therapy, or or complement drug therapy? What is uh, what is the end game?
1: Yeah the 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 end game for the foreseeable future is not to go in and knock out uh, these drugs. As you're probably aware, this anti-inflammatory drug market, these biologic agents, it's the biggest drug market in the world today. With Somewhere between 30 to 50 billion dollars sold annually, and half the top drugs in the world are these drugs, you know, with many of the franchise selling in excess of 10 billion dollars a year in these drugs. So they work, uh, but they do carry significant risk, and they do lose efficacy, and for about a third to half of people, they don't work at all. Um, so we see a, a, very sizable market opportunity and saying, let's go where they can. not Let's look at the patients that have failed multiple biologic agents or that have washed out of them that no longer respond to them. But this is the place, again, that the big pharma companies, obviously, they're refractory, the patients are refractory, so they can't help those patients much. And frankly, they don't seem very interested in it because the front end of the funnel is so huge, they're just not interested. So we're going to look at the the part of the funnel that they can't or aren't serving right now, all those patients that have washed out. And we expect that eventually, you know, there'll be doctors that'll urge us to, uh, to move up by saying, hey, how about you go to those that can't, don't respond, that are helpless and hopeless, they have nothing. And then we'll also start doing some trials to look at how you might be an adjunctive therapy to drugs. So if a drug is helping, but it's not giving a complete response or it's not slowing disease progression enough, then let's bring in this device based therapy with it and see if we can really bring these people with Crohn's and RA and eventually any number of other inflammatory diseases into better, um, better outcomes.
0: Mm-hmm. And this is uh, Setpoint point has drawn uh, support from pharma companies through through investments through their investment groups. I know you've got the Action Potential Venture Capital Fund, uh, the affiliated with GSK, as an investor, as well as at the, the device side. Can you can you tell a bit about your uh, your financing history?
1: Yes. Yeah, so we we had three venture firms that uh, were the original investors in the company. And they've been really fantastic partners for us. And more recently, um, in the Series C, we had three, um, like you said, Action Potential uh, join, part of GSK. We had Covidian, now obviously part of Medtronic. And we had Boston Scientific join. And mm-hmm. more recently, we've had another large strategic join the syndicate. So now we have four large strategics that own a a significant part of the company and we still have three uh, really great vcs backing us which leads to a, a really nice syndicate a great board and um you know just somebody strong to help guide this company and make sure our funding is secure
0: are you not still not able to identify that last strategic uh,
1: they actually asked that we don't publicly identify um okay.
0: Who they are? Are they uh, a, a healthcare company? or Would it be something that completely would blow our mind if we heard their name, or is it sort of no? A,
1: nope, they're they're a healthcare. They're okay. one of the classic healthcare okay. major healthcare device companies.
0: Interesting that that the others would would identify themselves, but this one wouldn't. It's it's got to be challenging to, or, or is it challenging? I should I shouldn't assume it is to uh, have so many different strategics as as investors, uh, and I don't know what those investments come with if they're at all monitoring your progress beyond just getting reports from you or how involved they are. But uh, it's unusual to have that many different types of investors within MedTech and Pharma uh, invest in a single startup, although strategic clearly are becoming more more involved in, in the startup world.
1: Yeah, uh, we're very, honestly, we're really thankful for it because, as you know, the fundraising environment and the funding environment for med tech and device companies is really changing right now mm-hmm. and it's uh it's challenging to keep these type companies funded for the duration and I think you know the fact that we have four really blue chip names in speaks to the potential and the uh the excitement around this therapy. People really see that there's tremendous potential in it, and they understand that you know, not only do we have a couple of diseases we've targeted, but there's a whole array of potential diseases that could be targeted by this bioelectronic therapy. And um we're we believe we're pretty far out there on the leading edge with this. We've we've done you know extensive clinical work. So that's that's brought them in. And you asked me what's it like having them all on um Honestly, they've been excellent partners. They they offer their support, they offer their help. Each of the board members of the respective companies is uh they're really solid people and just you know, I couldn't ask for a better board, couldn't ask for more support from a board, so I and I believe that comes because they genuinely we talk about it all the time at board meetings. We we're all genuinely excited to uncover the next card, to turn up the next card and see what What do we learn? What happens? And so far we've turned up a a great set of cards. Things have worked very well for us and for the therapy and for the patients that get it. So at this point everybody's well aligned and what they want to see is we'll keep funding if you show us, you know, results and we're excited about it. So that's kept everybody aligned and made the board um, really good to work with.
0: It seems like this this is one of those companies that has these these, these fantastic ideas in medtech. Medtech, I think the the more exciting medtech companies are the ones that are really swinging for the fences, and setpoint is one of yeah. those. Uh, but those are the ideas that you hear these days would not get funded uh, because they're they're so uh, fantastic that investors who are interested in sort of sure things aren't as interested in backing them yet. You've been able to draw investments because you're – Demonstrating step by step that this fantastic idea right. works—is that um, how challenging is it to sort of keep your eye on the prize that's 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 far away and, and, and reach for that that really lofty goal, but also um, prove throughout that the concept is working and that you're able and, and to demonstrate uh, through test after test or demonstration after de- demonstration or trial after trial that this is a concept that bears support, that is worthy of support.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you're actually kind of spelling out the answer right there in, in <laughs> exactly. the way you've asked the question, yeah. and it, and you're right on. It's You've got to be able to cast that long-range vision of just what the potential of this therapy and this company is. Uh, that alone doesn't get funded, right? People can cast a huge vision and talk about the next great therapy and the billions of dollars. That doesn't get it. We know that doesn't get reliably funded nowadays because you've got really savvy investors who naturally say I'm not buying it show me Mm -hmm. show me the data give me something real so what we've realized a set point like you said is we've just got to take step at a time we've got to be very careful not to develop data and trials and information that we want to do we've got to go ask the experts so we've been very careful to work with our board and work with a rheumatology advisory board and a GI advisory board to say, what's compelling? What evidence do you need to see to believe this works?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, we've done our homework, but if what we believe doesn't align with what you believe as investors and as rheumatologists, it's not worth anything. So we're really, uh, talk to the team all the time about, we can't believe our own press clippings and we can't go along saying, uh, well, this is the way we wanna do it. There's enough depth of understanding of immunological disorders that we better go to the experts and figure out what success really looks like. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, just show step by step. Don't go for the fences in every step. Let's just hit good, reliable, consistent steps that once they're accomplished, they leave no doubt about a step was done well, it was executed well, the results look good, I've got something I can bank on there. Just keep building those things up like blocks in a wall, and as you build more and more, even the skeptics have said, I just this I just don't buy it. In some period of time, most of them can't deny the evidence. Mm-hmm. And we've seen investors that I pitched to very early on that were respectful but just, you could tell, they just didn't believe it. I've had visits as recently as this week with people that said, uh, I'm compelled, I'm convinced. The data you've shown, these publications you have are really first class. Um, we'd be interested in the company at this point. So it's just being steady, slow, executing, um, doing it right, and uh, realizing that it's uh again as I tell a team all the time it's a marathon not a sprint mm-hmm. so let's just keep putting away solid results and uh, managing through the process the way our, our the people that guide us say to do it and it's served us it's served us well so far
0: that's great and it's why we're all doing medtech to sort of pursue those great big ideas that can really change people's lives yep. so final question what's next uh, where does that point go from here
1: so we really we're eager to get this Therapy out to market. It, it's like you said; it, it really changes lives. We can offer a very different solution than drugs. Not only does the solution seem to provide excellent clinical outcomes, but it also should be able to do it at a much, much lower cost for the healthcare system. So we are uh, we are eager and highly focused to see this thing get out into the market. In U.S., Europe, Australia, because we believe that the more data that comes in, like a lot of new ideas, the more people that see it and experience it, the faster the momentum will will pick up. I, you know, I, I get not just me, but the company on our info line. We get at least a hundred calls in a busy week from patients saying, "I'll take it right now." Really? You haven't even done our trial. Wow! Just Be be patient, it's like, nope, uh, I want it. And these aren't just patients that haven't gone on the drugs yet, they're patients that are successfully on the biologic therapies and they just are concerned about the side effects and black box warnings and they are eager to have a different solution, one that uses the body's own natural mechanism to treat disease seems, uh, in their mind at least, they perceive it as being a healthier, better way. We do too. So we're, we're really eager to get that going and highly focused on it. So getting our device out the door, getting into those larger trials that some support uh, Pivotal, you know, the decision at the end of Pivotal and support um, enough evidence to get paid for it, that's, that's what we're focused on. We'll get that done in one or two diseases, and then we'll start trying to tick off additional diseases. I, we haven't talked about it much here, but... Behind Crohn's and RA, we have preclinical, strong animal data and a number of other indications that seem to give us hope that this will work in a more than one or two or three chronic inflammatory diseases. So this is just the tip of the iceberg. So we're excited to plant the flag somewhere in the market, get enough revenue going where we can then move out to uh, adjacent markets.
0: So is is and I don't, and I don't want to sell you short. Is there anything else we we should be talking about on the inflammatory markers? It's so big, and um, and, and pain is such a a horrible thing to be sort of sentenced with. Uh, to help someone find relief from that is uh, is a very important goal.
1: Yeah. So at this point, you know, we'll keep those cards kind of close to the yeah, vest as we it. figure out which indications are next. But we should keep talking about it because there'll be exciting stuff unfolding over the next few years, and happy to come back and visit with you again, but um, yeah, keep your eyes on it. It's good. This whole field of bioelectronic medicine is its going to be a third way. You know, we've had small molecules, we've had biologics for a number of years now, and they've done remarkable things on the drug side. We know, you and I know a lot about devices. There's fantastic things being done. The whole concept of adapting a device that looks like a classic Neuromod device, but to produce pharmacologic results using the body's own mechanism. This is what we talk about as bioelectronic medicine. We're we're fortunate enough to be at a time where we're at the infancy of this new, um, just tremendous area that I think we're going to look back in 15 years and go, I was part of that. I remember when that happened. And now it's, standard of care in so many diseases, and it's, it's um, changed the way we think about them and given us new tools to produce great outcomes at, at better costs. So I think it's, uh, it's a really exciting time.
0: Well, great. These are exactly the stories you want to highlight here in the podcast. So thank you for taking a few minutes, Tony, to, uh, to share a set point story.
1: Great. Well, thanks a lot for the call, and um, I look forward to seeing the story come out.
0: And that's a wrap, Tony Arnold. Thanks for taking the time to uh, to introduce our listeners to SetPoint. Again, bioelectronic medicine is just a fascinating space, one that we hope to be focusing on again uh, more directly in the future. And uh, no doubt, SetPoint will be uh, will be a big part of that uh, of that coverage going forward. Thanks to our podcast listeners for joining us. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. And uh, if you could do us a favor and just uh, give us a ranking on iTunes about, uh, tell us how we're doing, leave a comment. It really helps sort of spread the word about the podcast. Likewise, if you want to do some more directly, and you've got friends who like uh, MedTech as much as you do, just let them know about the podcast. The more listeners, the merry. So uh, that's a wrap. Again, go to uh, medtechconference.com. Sign up for the June 1st conference. Uh, right now, our uh, rate is at twelve ninety five. That'll go up uh, at the end of next month. So uh, you've got some time, but why wait? And uh, we'll be rolling out some uh, agenda announcements in the near future. And uh, I assure you this is going to be a great event, so you'll want to be there. So go to medtechconference.com, sign up for the June 1st conference, and we will see you in Minneapolis.